Hello, everybody. I'm Pam Pastor, host of the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast. I'm thrilled that you found me. But more importantly, I'm thrilled that you found Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. And as we journey together, we will unleash discoveries of how to turn hearts of stone into ones of moldable clay for the potter Jesus to transform. I hope that you'll consider joining me and others each week as we adventure and explore life together. And periodically, friends will delve into my mailbag answering questions from listeners just like you. So if you have a question, make sure and email it to me at pampastorcopywriting at gmail.com. Well, today, friends, we're going to do a quick overview of the Gospels, and then we're going to get into a specific story about a couple of sisters and a brother. So the Gospels give us similar accounts, and yet they are all and each unique. For example, Mark was probably the first Gospel written of the four. The other Gospels quote all but 31 verses of Mark, and Mark records more miracles than any other Gospel account. But the purpose of the Gospel of Mark was to present the person, the work, and the teachings of Jesus. And the Gospel of Matthew was written to prove that Jesus is the Messiah who is the eternal King. While the Gospel of John shows us conclusive evidence that Jesus is the Son of God and that all who believe in him will have eternal life. Now, John lists eight recorded miracles, and six of them are unique to his account among all of the Gospels. And this includes the Upper Room Discourse, where we, of course, learn of the Lord's Supper. And John makes it clear that Jesus was not just a man. He is, in fact, the eternal Son of God. And the most comprehensive Gospel comes from that of Luke, who was a doctor. He was Greek, so that made him a Gentile. And he's the only known Gentile author in all of the New Testament. Luke was a close friend of the Apostle Paul. And Luke also did write the book of Acts, which goes right along hand in hand with his gospel account. And Acts records an accurate account of the birth and growth of the Christian church. So Jesus arriving upon earth was not some random, unexpected event. The Old Testament prophets had been clear in their prophecy and prediction. They said that a great one sent by God himself would offer eternal peace to Israel and the entire world. And then John the Baptist, who was announced as the long-awaited Messiah, had finally come and would soon be among the people. He announced the long-awaited Messiah had finally come. So he was kind of what you would say the forerunner. I guess you would that, that would be the best term for it. So in God's work in the world today, Jesus does not come unannounced or unexpected, yet many people still reject him. We have the witness of the Bible, but some choose to just flat out ignore it just as many ignored John the Baptist being the forerunner in his day. So Jesus is documented and recorded as clearly a man of power and action, not just of words. And Jesus would perform miracles to convince people who he was and to confirm to the disciples his true identity, his deity, he was God. 
So because of Jesus's example, we should be willing to serve God and serve others. Real greatness in Jesus's kingdom shows itself in both service and sacrifice. Ambition or love of power or position should not be our motive. Instead, we should do God's work because we love God. And through the mighty works of Jesus, we have been shown that he's able to save anyone regardless of his or her past. His miracles of forgiveness bring healing, wholeness, and change lives to those who trust in him. Luke provides us with details so that we're able to believe in the reliability of the history of Jesus's life. And God sent the Holy Spirit as confirmation of Jesus's authority. Now, the Holy Spirit enables people to live out lives turned toward Jesus. By faith, we, the indwelling Holy Spirit's presence and power, is something that we all have so that we may be effective witnesses and serve others. And, you know, this series that we're journeying on now is going to explore Jesus's relationship to women using the Gospel of Luke as my key source over the next few podcasts and a little bit of the Gospel of John. We're going to explore the impact that Jesus had and has on women's lives up until present day. First, we're going to visit the encounter that our Savior had with his beloved friend Lazarus's two sisters, Martha and Mary. Placing into context the magnitude of Luke's contributions is not an easy task. As a non-Jew, remember earlier we said Luke was a Gentile, he recorded the words and works of Jesus' life, demonstrating a special sensitivity to other outsiders with whom Jesus came into contact. And Luke records five events of women not recorded by the other Gospels. You see, in first century Jewish culture, women were usually treated as second-class citizens with few of the rights that men had. But Jesus crossed these barriers, and Luke recorded the special care that Jesus had for women. You see, in Jesus' eyes, all people were worthy of equal respect. So in October, about six months after the Passover celebration, Jerusalem hosted the Festival of Shelters, or the Festival of Ingathering, as it was also known. And this was a seven-day-long event that commemorated God's protection and guidance to the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. And this festival was important because... It renewed Israel's commitment to God and trust in his guidance and protection. And family members of all ages were taught about God's nature and what he had done for them. So in our present day, Christian families celebrate Christmas and Easter, and we should select some other days to commemorate God's goodness in our lives as well. And Jesus had just finished teaching throughout all of Galilee when he began his journey back to Jerusalem for the Festival of Shelters. He spoke in Jerusalem and then went to visit his friends Mary and Martha. In Bethany, which was just south of Jerusalem, Martha's home was located in a tiny village on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. Now, hospitality was a social requirement in Jesus's day. It meant that you always opened up your home for any guest who may be traveling through town. You provided a meal without exception. 
And this differed from entertaining. When we entertain, we want to impress our guests by rolling out the red carpet, using our best dishes, cooking a more complex meal, and we tend to demand that our house be spotless. Now, the Bible doesn't say that when Jesus came to Martha's house, she entertained him. Yet the impression we're given is one of more than standard hospitality. It is a fact that Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are all remembered for their hospitality as a family. And it was shameful to turn anyone away from your door at that time. But Martha displayed a take-charge attitude as the oldest sibling of the group. It was natural for her to assume a position of control. Ugh, the details that she got caught up in. The phrase, the devil is in the details, is a truism. You see, he thrives on our distraction, and he can sidetrack us from what's important by ever so subtly altering our focus off of what really matters. And as Christians, we're taught that Jesus came in order to serve and not be served. Martha followed suit and sprung into action, wanting to please her friend Jesus by preparing an over-the-top gourmet meal, one he'd remember not too soon to forget. You see, Martha epitomized the woman of the day. She was a woman of strong standards and character. She embodied wisdom. She was skilled and flowed with compassion. She could delegate like no one else. I'm sure upon Jesus's arrival, she began using her well-earned leadership and authority and said, here's what we need to do. You go slaughter the lamb. You pull out the herbs, tend to the garden, bringing in the best produce. You bake bread, set the table for 15 with the best china, and on and on and on she would go. She was structured, but not routine. Her abilities were outstanding, and yet her appearance is never mentioned. We can imitate her wonderful servant qualities just by reading about her, but then so how, how was it that everyone around her became uncomfortable. It was because she was acting on autopilot, you see. It was go time. The show was in progress, and she was the star who would make it all come together and happen because of her great leadership capability. She failed to relax into her service. Service at its core is an action or an intent springing forth from a heart underpinned in love. When we love, we find ways to serve. And this episode right now is crafted in love. While I benefit from God's word in putting together these episodes, I give them freely to others with a heart filled with gratitude and love. And Martha only could see her way as being the correct way and was very resentful and frustrated with her sister not getting on board with the program. She not only expected help, she tried to demand that Jesus would chastise her sister into a guilt-ridden, admonished spectacle. She finally confronted Jesus with her complaint. Now keep in mind Martha's baby sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus, basking in his calmness as the disciples are all over sitting at the table. Some of them are even stretched out and resting from the teachings that they had just participated in in Galilee. But Mary, yes, Mary, was sitting quietly, holding on to every word Jesus spoke. She felt secure, safe, like never before. There was not a care in the world that would move her out of that moment. 
He was sharing with her his teachings from Galilee and the excitement for the upcoming festival of shelters. Jesus was showing a woman deep and profound respect, which again was not customary in the first century. But a part of Jesus's mission upon earth was to flip the narrative on usual and customary. So Mary continued just to sit at the feet of Jesus as the sun began to set. Martha was grievous, nearly enraged at the lack of preparations coming from her other family member, Mary. She hadn't learned that expectations of others always leads to a bad result. We can only manage ourselves and for truly to remain peaceful. But Jesus did step in. He never shied away from the difficult or challenging questions or situations of life. He gently corrected Martha. Martha's direct complaint had been, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Jesus called Martha dear to soften her heart. He told her she was upset over the details. Going on, he said, there's really only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and I won't take it away from her. Martha had not realized in her desire to serve Jesus and his disciples, she was being neglectful and self-serving. Jesus wasn't telling her she was wrong. He only wanted her to prioritize more effectively. Jesus knew there would be many opportunities to show hospitality to others, but he himself would not always be in the flesh dining with them. This is a powerful reminder for us not to take opportunities that appear mundane for granted. We must recognize every day as a gift from God where we will continue to grow in our faith. Our service must not become mundane and filled with mere busyness, so much so that we fail to see and experience devotion to God. Martha didn't fully appreciate the invisible manifestation of God through the visible manifestation of Jesus. At another point in time, we learn the sister's brother Lazarus had died. Jesus was delayed and gets to him four days later. Now the body had begun decomposing, but Martha met Jesus out on the road, the controlling sister that she was, she took charge while Mary waited back at the house. But we do find Mary snuck out and followed Martha to where she was going because she really knew what her sister's personality was like. So she tells Jesus the news and she takes him to the grave site. And Jesus says in John chapter 11, verse 40, didn't I tell you that you'll see God's glory if you believe? Then Jesus speaks out loud to the Father to strengthen all of the witnesses' faith. Jesus then shouted, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out of his grave, and his grave clothes were removed from him. So this miracle proved to be the last straw for the jealous religious leaders. They were unable to wrap their minds around the spiritual realm, going beyond their mere religiosity. Lazarus was a dear friend to Jesus, so he wept openly upon hearing he had died. But in Jesus' deity, he was resurrected. And in this important miracle, Martha redeems herself from earlier, where she's seen as the woman who had been too busy to sit down and talk with Jesus. 
Here, when her brother most needed her, she expresses to Jesus her deep conviction and faith by proclaiming in John chapter 11, verse 27, Yes, Lord, she told him, I have always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. So Jesus was always patient with her, even when the awareness of the details caused her to stumble. He always drew her back to that macro vision of her and the world. And Martha learned to serve in love and in silence. She took a page from Mary's playbook and embraced worship as the heartbeat of silence. Listening, she embodied the balance of listening and working for Jesus. So friends, today, if you want to experience an intimate, personal relationship with God's Son, Jesus, spending eternity in heaven, I would invite you to pray this prayer of salvation now. God, I've missed the mark, and I'm turning away from my sins. Come into my heart. I believe in your Son's shed blood for all who acknowledge he took on the sins of humanity, past, present, and future, at the cross of Calvary. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that prayer of salvation, I believe you were spiritually born again. Your next steps are to read God's word daily so he can guide, direct, and reveal himself to you. And consider joining a good Bible-based church where your faith in Jesus can continue to grow and be edified by like-minded people. But allow me first to congratulate you on the most important decision that you've ever made and will ever make in your entire lifetime. Congratulations and God bless you. And friends, the Grace and Peace of God Love Wins podcast will be available most days during the week. A special children's podcast airs on Wednesdays when we're not in the middle of a series. So tune in along with your kids for your favorite Bible stories that you grew up with. We'll be discussing and sharing Jesus's unlimited power in our present day lives. We delve into many topics such as forgiveness, love in action, biblical wisdom, what the Word of God says about trust, and specifically what God had to say about women and the Bible and many more. So I hope that you'll come alongside me as we explore the Bible together. And if you like this podcast, make sure to hit like and subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes as they become available. And you know, why don't you consider blessing someone else today by sharing this podcast link with them? Much of today's podcast is referenced from my book, The Grace and Peace of God Love Wins. If you found the content inspiring, you may want to consider reading it in its entirety. You can easily pick up a copy from my website, pampastorcopywriting.com, or Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or Dorrance.com. And if you're unable to afford a copy, write to me, and I'll find a way to get a free copy into your hands. You won't be disappointed. It is full of God's word. So until next time, friends, be blessed. And remember, you've been marked and sealed with the cross of Jesus Christ forever. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Until next time, friends, God bless you.